Hi, I'm Christina Dennis, and you are listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a Recovered Life discussion all about setting healthy boundaries and how codependency could be keeping you from living your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied on for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now let's jump into the discussion. And uh, we're going to, I think, have a beautiful conversation about setting healthy boundaries. My name is Christina Dennis, and I am a recovery coach who specializes in breaking codependent patterns and belief systems from the past. And this is the setting healthy boundaries room, which I just love. Um, we started this room, gosh, it's been, I think, almost at least 10 months. And every Wednesday we get together and we just support each other and discuss um, codependency or people pleasing or anything that's going on um, in this room. Uh, it is, uh, like I said, in the Recovered Life, Recovered Life discussions, and this room is rebroadcasted. So I want to let everybody know uh, all are welcome to come up and speak. However, we only use first names and uh, we speak with kindness. And so uh, with that, I will kind of introduce the topic for the room. And, um, you know, Don Marie, thanks for coming up. I, you're an amazing um, speaker. And so I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Yesterday in the Recovered Life discussion, we we're bringing up and had such a beautiful conversation on the differences uh, between belonging and fitting in. And one of the, um, one of the um, thoughts that came up to me was that as a codependent, I spent my life trying to fit in. And, um, you know, yesterday's discussion was with the lens of Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart. And she brought up some really interesting things for me to think about um, that when we fit in, we actually decrease our ability to connect with others. And so, you know, because we're not showing up authentically. And I know that my history with codependency, when I twisted myself into many different types of people, I never felt like I connected with anybody at a, at a deep level because obviously, I wasn't showing them who I am. I don't even think I knew who I was until years into the recovery process. You know, I was whoever I thought the other person needed me to be and secretly hiding resentments around codependency and, um, you know, having these invisible contracts with people. And I know from my very first room um, that the first topic was about self-love and discovering who we are so that we could even consider setting a healthy boundary within a relationship. You know, what were the boundaries that I needed for myself? What did I like even? And um, it just struck me how futile codependency is. And, and I know where it comes from. Part of my journey has been to do some intense work around my origin story and my, you know, these hidden belief systems, the ways I even operated. And uh, 
I love that we have these deeper conversations and would love to hear from anybody who is in the listening lounge, um, kind of, you know, get that conversation started around belonging and fitting in. And Don, Marie, what is your, what are your thoughts about that phrase? You know, if I fit in, then I really don't belong anywhere. And with that, I am going to mute my mic and start inviting people up. All right, Amber, Deanna, welcome. Um, please jump into the conversation. I don't know if Don Marie is where she can speak. So I will just uh, kind of move over and any minute you wanna share, please uh, just start doing it. All right, Amber, how are you this morning? Good morning, guys. Yeah, I'm doing good this morning. Um, I, now, this is a cool topic. I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about some of when I, <clears throat> I work downtown and there's a lot of really creative, um, people downtown. And a lot of the people that I work with, they really, you know, they dress the, the way they want to dress. They act the way they want to act. And it's honestly been like the most refreshing thing for me. And I just, um, I love it. And I love the expression of the different parts of themselves and they do it like unapologetically. And it's been such, um, it's really given me life and a lot of parts of me that I've kind of hidden or felt like I couldn't express or that, um, <clears throat> sorry, I was brushing my teeth. Um, so yeah, just, I, I think that's a really cool point. Um, because when I see somebody kind of being really themselves and just kind of, even if it's different than what everyone else is doing at whatever age, it like gives me permission to step into those parts of myself too. And it also like makes me feel like, yeah, like it is a belonging thing. Like it actually does make me feel um, <clears throat> more connected to them um, other than when everybody's the same and we're just acting a certain way. Um, so yeah, I, I love that topic. That's a really cool, I love that. That's, I mean, that makes total sense um, internally to me. I just never really uh, thought about it from that point of view. So yeah, great, great share. <clears throat> awesome. You know, you brought up something that reminded me of something that we read yesterday about the more, the more we belong, the more we can be ourselves and different. And, and I wouldn't have thought of it that way too, but it, it is completely true. The more that we belong and we know that we have a place and we belong to ourselves, the more that we can be different and actually have our individuals, our individualism. Um, and if you were raised in a dysfunctional home, which I think a lot of, you know, is very prevalent in the recovery community, it was impossible to individuate, individuate, you know, it was impossible to become something different for so many years. And uh, I, I think that's one of the best things that happened to me in recovery. And it didn't happen right away, but it started to happen where I really started to, you know, think about 
who I was, um, you know, I kind of got the message, you know, self-obsession is bad or self-centeredness. And so this isn't as black and white as maybe putting down a drink. And, uh, but then started to realize that me fitting in was manipulative as well. And I wasn't, I wasn't helping anyone. So thank you for bringing that up. Hi, Deanna. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for holding this room. I I have this um, at the top of my mind because I have the book next to me and I'm kind of mulling over the things we've already talked about. And <clears throat> what's coming to me right now, I have a lot. I'm like, I could talk about this forever. So I'm trying to think of something specific. And church keeps coming to mind, but I really don't want to get into church. <laughs> trying to fit trying to fit in places. Um, I've noticed in my sobriety now that I have, um, I think I'm eight, 800 something days sober. I don't know, 860 days or something like that sober. And trying to fit in into social groups has been, um, I don't want to say challenging, because I'm enjoying the challenge. So I guess it is, it's, it's challenging and I'm enjoying it because it's allowing me to set healthy boundaries within myself and know what, I mean, I'll give a, just a very specific example. I was at um, a social function of the barbecue, outdoors, lots of little spaces for people to have their own little cliques and groups and talk and stuff. And I, I always bring food to these functions and I always take care of the kids for some reason. Codependency, hello. Um, it's shining. But what had happened at this, I probably have told this story before too, but it's impactful to me, is that I was trying to fit in into this group of people that are not sober. And I wanted this function to be fun for everybody. And so I tried to kind of control not control anybody, but just control the vibe and the way things were going. And people did not like it. And I, re I recognized that immediately. And I just said, stay in your lane, Deanna, focus on yourself. You don't need to fit in with these people. And one thing I noticed in this, in this moment is I went and I sat by myself, not like to be spiteful, just to kind of sit in my own presence and I was enjoying myself, enjoying belonging to myself. I didn't know that then, but I know it now that I was belonging to myself and not, and by trying to fit in with the other people, I was actually losing belonging to myself. So I, I stopped trying to fit in and I'm, I'm, this is a work in progress, definitely, but I didn't feel like I belonged and there was a lot of conflict and, and turmoil trying to fit in and trying to feel like I belonged. And I think that's just a good example for me to use going forward of how I felt good about myself and I chose not to change anything about myself. Um, and I decided that I didn't need to fit in. And there were people at the end of the party, actually the host of the party, we were the only ones that stayed to help and clean up. And there was some beautiful, beautiful connection at the very end with just an intimate amount of people. So that's, that's my little share on fitting in and belonging what I'm thinking about right now. Thanks for listening.
Oh, I love that. And, you know, uh, just to kind of reset for the people that have come in a little later, uh, we are talking about belonging versus fitting in and how, you know, fitting in fuels our codependency and actually fuels the disconnection that we have with ourselves. Um, and everybody is welcome. It is a discussion style room today. So please, if you um, have something to contribute, raise your hand and come up. You know, Paul, it's not letting me bring you up. So if you, uh, sometimes it glitches like that. So if you want to leave and come right back, I could um, hopefully make the system work. But what I was thinking when you were sharing, Deanna, is maybe we should drill down and and kind of talk about what does belonging to yourself look like and you had such a beautiful segue into that because when we change to fit in with somebody we're actually disconnecting with what it is that makes us us and if you've never belonged anywhere like i didn't belong in my family they there was no place that wasn't what was offered to me it feels it can feel like counterfeit belonging, but deep down inside, I know and knew at that point that I wasn't being accepted for me. And one of the first things that happened when I walked into a recovery room was that I saw that people really accepted me. And they accepted me a long time before I actually accepted myself. And so I'd love it if, um, you know, Don Marie or Amber, anybody um, would want to jump in and kind of share what does that statement mean to you? Belonging to yourself. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, I think that belonging to myself, well, first off, you know, you had a point when you said that belonging to a group you know, being accepted into a community can help us um, fit in, feel really like we fit in and can support that um, process, the internal dialogue and the internal process of not fitting in. And when you come from a place where you are told that something's wrong with you or you're too different, and the things that you like and the things that you want to do and be are somehow not acceptable. It's really difficult to find a, a community where you feel accepted because you're expecting not to be, right? Um, <clears throat> but in terms of belonging to myself, I think it means in, in that I understand very clearly that we are all connected. There really is no line of separation spiritually. But in terms of my ego and my life trials and challenges and my emotions and processes and responsibilities, I know where mine end and yours begin. And I accept that, take ownership and treat each person accordingly. So for me, belonging to myself means real understanding of the things that I'm responsible for and love myself, have compassion for myself and compassionately let everybody else handle their shit. And, you know, in a brief, short answer with just a few moments to contemplate, that's what I came up with. Oh, I love that. I love that. Knowing what you're responsible for and what you're not responsible for. 
that feels that that lands beautifully. Thank you. Um, yeah, because prior to really addressing my codependency issues and recovery, I didn't know, you know, what was my responsibility and what wasn't. And I needed other people to help me, which is, you know, one of the reasons why this room continues, because I think that I'm not alone in that. You know, I'm not alone in that thought process. Rochette, thanks for coming up. How do you feel about the topic of belonging versus fitting in and how do you belong to yourself? How do you work through that? Thank you for um, inviting me up as well. Uh, great topic. Um, I have some noise in the background. I hope it's okay. <laughs> we can hear you. Okay. Um, to be honest, I think I've only ever felt that I belong to myself. Um, I've never really fitted in or desired to fit in. Um, with that stated, I've always, uh, for quite some time in my uh, younger years, I guess in somewhat still now, I question um, why don't I fit in sometimes because I guess I'm very I don't know I think I'm I'm more like people than I am different in certain ways I, I, I know for sure that I don't really open myself up or open up in the ways and allow people to truly see you know see me um, so I think belonging um, understanding or me operating from the tense that I accept myself for who I am and it's just me, you know, um, it keeps me level. With that stated, sometimes I think I can go all the way on the other spectrum and be, uh, I don't know if it's isolated a lot, a, a lot and, and I should, um, be more welcoming into allowing people into my, uh, I guess my inner thoughts or my, just not inner thoughts, me and my life in general, but I'm working on that. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll end there. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I love that. And you brought up disconnection. And that is so true for, for my past as well. You know, I either, I was exhausted from trying to fit in, but I felt so completely isolated because um, I wasn't showing anybody who the real me was. And I, um, I love the, the whole idea. And I think Don Marie, you touched on this, this common humanity. And I think that that's why recovery groups work when so many other things don't work is that we know we belong um, when we feel it in our bones and we can see it for the first time and um, you know i uh, i love having these kind of deep conversations where people share where they are on this journey um, and um, sorry amber what what are your thoughts about how do you belong to yourself and what that statement even means 
Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I did. I did like the part. I have to think about this. That's a lot. Um, I guess. I guess a big one is definitely. Yeah, like knowing what's mine and what's others, um, and not like getting them all mixed together. Trying to. Um, take care of everybody else's things instead of just taking care of what I need to take care of. Um, that was, that was definitely a big part of me kind of unraveling what's mine and what's others. <laughs> and it can be, and especially like if you, if you don't know, you know, um, that can take, it's kind of, um, crazy when it unravels and you're like, whoa, that's really not mine. I really don't have to be responsible for that. And yeah, um, I think that's what I would say is belonging to myself. Um, also cultivating like, like really, um, loving the different aspects of myself. Um, yeah, just loving all the different parts of me all the different, um, yeah, not just having one face that I have to put on or be to fit in, but, uh, loving all aspects of myself is more of a belonging feeling. I have to think about this, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that we don't, yeah, these words are so, in, so I don't know. It's kind of, um, I think that's why I asked the question. Um, about self-belonging and what that kind of looks like. And I do think that that acceptance and knowing yourself is the first step. I love that. I do love that. Self-forgiveness is, is the deal, right? It's the deal completely and self-love. Um, I'd love to hear what you think, Rochette. About okay. How do you figure out what you want in recovery? I think, um, well, I know along the lines of what um, how Deanna was sharing, I actually started with meditation, but let me back up a little. Prior to that, uh, when you were stating that, I was much more in touch with what I did not want for quite some time. And I was like, well, what do I want? What do I truly need for myself to feel safe, to feel loved? to feel supported. And um, I started to uh, to just do a regular ritual of meditation. And with uh, meditation and allowing me to just become very still, I was able to do quite a bit of deep introspection into my life, my childhood, my past. And um, I started to, my also with that do the mirror work and it wasn't really i try um something that i intentionally did i started to think i have thoughts like how do people always look in the mirror i know this because i would look in the mirror every day getting ready for work combing my hair but i never truly saw myself truly looked at myself and I, I, it was just so foreign because I know people who are always in the mirror. And I never 
wanted to do that. And so uh, as I would meditate and just begin to not even really speak to myself intentionally in the mirror, but while I was getting ready for work in the morning times, I would just look at myself and think, uh, like, are you loved? Why don't you feel loved? Why don't you feel included? Why do you feel like something is wrong with you? And uh, as I can, would continue to do my meditations, I started to realize that I truly did not love myself deeply. I truly did not accept myself truly. And that was a hard pill because I understand as I'm walking through life, I'm then emitting this frequency of out into the universe that I'm really not loving myself. So I'm attracting all of these unloving experiences to myself in my life, you know. And um, once I <laughs> real had that realization, I started to truly do work. Okay, what don't you like about yourself? What don't you love about yourself? And there are some things about my past that I had to truly accept that I cannot change those things. But I know today that I am a different person. So as I continue to do work around, inner work around my past and detaching from it and releasing it, I then became more in touch with the present moment, who I am today. Uh, all of the progress that I've made to not be that person anymore. Um, and then I started to feel more loving. I started to attract more loving uh, experiences, more loving people into my life in the present. And then I had more a sense of a belonging to me. I'm creating these experiences. I'm accepting the person that I am today. I'm loving the woman that I am today um, in her totality. No, I'm not perfect, but I do um, love myself and all of my quirks and my differences. And I'm grateful that I have been able to create um, these experiences for myself in the present that I continue to, I can continue to build on and continue to even feel more of a belonging, of a, a support for myself as well. I'm complete. Wonderful, and Daniel, join the conversation. I'd love to hear from you, sir. Okay, uh, how I'm dealing with this right now, I'm not saying this is perfect, but how I'm getting through it is, I used to build boundaries like uh, I would be, I would, I would used to set boundaries like a brick wall, right? Firm and uh, never moving just to protect myself. Now, the way I'm seeing like healthier boundaries is, okay, let me park this truck real quick. Uh, the way I see boundaries now is kind of like the, the little floaty lines in a swimming pool, like they're there to separate, but they're not rigid. So there's give and take, right? Like I have a lot of boundaries with my wife because we're both in recovery. But 
right now she's also pregnant and she's going through a different type of emotional roller coaster. So I give her more grace because she is pregnant. So I'm kind of just like adapting to our situation and not uh, reliving the past trauma we've gone through together to get through what we're going through right now. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. That's, yes. That's where I'm at. I, I love that you brought up boundaries can be pliable because black and white thinking gets us into situations that are much more difficult. And Deanna, you were going to respond, so I'd love to hear. Oh, I was just over here like, yes, yes. I like applaud you and everything that you just said. It just shows how caring and giving and loving you are. And I just think that is awesome. That's just what I wanted to say. <laughs> oh, thank you. I think it's a perfect way to kind of conclude the discussion to talk a little bit about the flexibility of boundaries. And, you know, we have our value systems, which Deanna, you brought up, where we know the things that we are unwilling to do. We know the, the you know, the things that we stand for. We know that we belong to this set of values and our boundaries are built on that. However, in every relationship, in every situation, just like you said, Daniel, a boundary can become a wall. And sometimes, you know, what you thought was going to happen needs to be reassessed. Sometimes a boundary that I've had in place with somebody until I really knew them and felt like I could trust them was a little more rigid in the beginning. And that took me a long time to kind of, and taking inventory and working with somebody and doing this work to literally look back and go, oh, okay, there's a pattern here with this type of, you know, relationship or this type of person, you know, when they are love bombing, which we know a narcissist uses, maybe there's, you know, a certain amount of time where I have to have a boundary with myself before I share too much with this person, before I get myself into that situation. And, you know, as they, as I grow in the relationships, boundaries can become, you know, can be renegotiated. They can be reassessed. And I think that that's important to, to share and really, you know, state that as we grow in our recovery, our boundaries change. And, and sometimes they change in a situation where we were very tolerant of a certain behavior and then we decided and started to understand as we became more online with our feelings and our nervous system that this boundary wasn't, you know, needed to be set in an even more um, uh, black and white way. Like it needed to be clearer. And I know, um, I think Don Marie left who said it, but it might have been Rochette, communicating. And, you know, Samita, you also brought this up, communicating our boundaries and holding them is our responsibility. But somebody else up, upholding them and not crossing is their responsibility. And when we can allow the consequences and we can continue to show ourselves self-love by saying this is the way that I need to be treated or this is the way that I need a friendship to work, in a, in a mutual manner, you know, um, 
the easier it is for us to continue to hold the boundaries, the easier it is. And they become bridges. They aren't, they aren't walls, they're bridges um, that allow each person. I mean, I love knowing the rules and what works with somebody. I love when I show up at a new place, understanding, oh, this is, this is the way they do it here because then I don't feel lost. And, and so it takes practice, it takes beginning, it takes talking about it. I think it starts with self-love. I think it starts with discovering who we are. And I just want to thank everybody that came up um, and shared. We will be back next week um, talking about setting healthy boundaries in the recovered life. Make sure to hit the link above and join the network so that you can get uh, deeper discussions like this, as well as access to um, lots of different notes that have come up from the room about the things that we work on and do together in our recovery. And with that, um, tomorrow morning, uh, Damon Frank will be back with the Unstuck Room, same time, which is 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 Central. 12 Eastern and uh, I think in the evening uh, across uh, the pond in Europe and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you everybody. Thank you Deanna, Rochette, Smita and Daniel for coming up and being so willing to share your journey with us. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.